Today is the Solemnity of St. John the Baptist, one of only three people that we celebrate both his birth and his death. First one obviously being Jesus, John the Baptist, and then also the Blessed Mother. So in a few weeks we'll have the celebration of, I mean, maybe not so much a celebration, the memorial of the beheading of John the Baptist. Um, and so what happens with that is we look at, you know, we look at, I like to say, Christ and, and uh, Jesus, Mary, and John the Baptist together. And we have Jesus, who is the model of total perfection. Mary, who is the model of the perfect Christian, one who follows after Christ. Uh, but then also John the Baptist we put in that category as well as maybe the perfect Christian who was not immaculately conceived or without sin. We look at what John did in his life, uh, and we specifically look at his role. And that's what we hear about in the readings. That's what uh, the readings about his birth is all about, is what did he come to do? You know, so we hear that he's the one who's going to go before the Lord, and you look at the Liturgy of the Hours, the Office of Readings, everything, all the prayers for today focus on his role as the precursor of Christ. He is the one who comes before Christ, the one who prepares the way. He's the link between the Old and the New Testaments. And in a way, what's symbolic, and St. Augustine says this in one of his homilies, um, is that John the Baptist, when you look at how he was born, he was conceived, uh, his mother was very old when she conceived, Elizabeth was, was more advanced in years, and it's kind of symbolic of, of the dawning, or you, you, we could say the fulfilling of the prophecies, all the Old Testament prophecies, kind of in waiting in Elizabeth. That here she is in her old age, and prophecy is waiting in darkness, and then finally he's born, and here's the link now between the old and the new. That John the Baptist comes, he says, look at everything that the prophet said, and then finally John's the one who recognizes Jesus and says, he points to him and says, behold the Lamb of God. That phrase that we hear at every single Mass. John's the one who points to Jesus. John's the one who says, I must decrease so that he can increase. And we hear that in, in the Acts of the Apostles today. He says, who do you suppose that I am? I am not he. I'm not the Messiah, but he's coming after me. And so we look at the gospel as well, and it, we don't get a lot of context, and it, it kind of sounds strange as to, you know, why is Zechariah not able to speak? What happens is this was the reading that was last night for the vigil mass for the solemnity, uh, is that when the angel appears to Zechariah, Zechariah is in the temple, uh, and the angel says, your wife has conceived, and, and Zechariah can't believe it. You know, they're, they're advanced in years, and because he didn't believe, the angel says, because you didn't believe, you will not speak until the child is born and named John. So the child had to be born, but he also had to be named John for Zechariah to speak again. So, you know, I can't imagine what John had, or Zechariah did coming home from the temple that day, you know, coming home from work, and, you know, Elizabeth's trying to talk to him, and he can't say anything. Like, can you imagine that? If your spouse came home from work one day and was totally mute, like, you'd probably be asking, like, what happened? And how would you, if you're the one who's mute, how do you explain that? You can't talk. So what do you do? So I'm guessing he had to play charades, or he had to write it down like he did in this case. Um, but for nine months, Zechariah could not say anything. For nine months and eight days, until the eighth day that he was born and he was circumcised, and that's why it was so important that he emphasized his name is John. What on earth inspired Elizabeth to name him John when they had no relatives of that name? That's, that's got to be divine inspiration. That this name comes out of nowhere, that Zechariah was never able to say to her, his name is John. She comes up with that name on her own, and then when they ask Zechariah, what do you want to name your child? And he writes it on a tablet, his name is John. 
That's divinely inspired. And then what happens? So he finally says his name is John. His parents agree on the name. He's circumcised. His name is John. He's dedicated. And then finally, Zechariah's mouth is opened. And we don't get this in the gospel reading. If you look at the actual um, the citations for the text, there's a gap. We have verse 16 or whatever this is something, and then there's a gap, and then we have a concluding verse. That gap is extremely important. And it's something that all the priests, seminarians, religious, that we pray every day for morning prayer. It's called the Canticle of Zechariah. As soon as his mouth is open, he goes into this long spiel, and I'll actually I'll, I'll say it for you. And I want you to think of this in light of John the Baptist and who he's called to be. So as soon as his mouth is open, Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of a servant David. Through his holy prophets, he has promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. And this is the key point. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. After nine months, it sounds like diarrhea of the mouth, because he finally gets to say something, and this is what he does. He proclaims over his child, this is what you're going to do. Through the forgiveness of their sins, what does John the Baptist do? He, 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 John the Baptist, he starts baptizing people to tell them, repent, and that one will come after me. I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so Zechariah is pouring this out on his son, saying, this is what you are going to do. This is why John the Baptist is so great. It's because he comes, he prepares the way. And when Jesus comes, he doesn't draw attention to himself, but he looks at Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God. And in a very symbolic act, the disciples who were following John at that moment left John and started following Jesus. And that's exactly what John wanted. He wanted those disciples who were following him, who were listening to the messages, to say, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one we've been waiting for. Go after him. And so as we continue with this liturgy, we celebrate the solemnity of John the Baptist, but we remember that he's not the important one in totality. But the one who is important is the one who appears on this altar, and we say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world.